Well, it's great to have you here today. We're starting a new series we're just calling Overcomer. And I really want to ask you to invite someone to be here with you next week. I promise you, they will leave encouraged. Doesn't matter who they are, where they came from, how far or how, how far away or how close to God they are. Next week is going to be uh, an incredible day to be here. And then in two weeks, we're going to have water baptism. That's going to be a phenomenal service. But as we're starting this series on Overcomer, we're just talking about when God is doing the work of renewal, and He's doing that work in our church, he, one of the things that He does is He works on us internally. He works on our inner life. He works on us to bring things to the surface and to heal and to strengthen and to make us overcomers in that season. And so uh, as, we, as we share this morning... The very first message, if you got a pen, you might want to take it out and, and there's some thoughts I'd, I, I think it would be good for you to write down today and take with you. But I, I, was, I was thinking back to when our kids were smaller, uh, we got them a swing set for Christmas one year and, you know, because I don't have any sense, uh, I didn't want to get one of those little metal swing sets that you just kind of, you know, throw up in the yard with an Allen wrench and bam, you're done. No, 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 no. I wanted a fixture that would stay there and be permanent. And if you don't know me, I don't know hardly anything about construction or how to build anything or how to make anything with my hands. I'm just not good in that way. It takes me twice as long as everybody else. So, but we decided we're going to get this swing set, uh, this all wood. And I didn't know anything about this, but it came in a kit. It was a box about that big. And I looked at the thing and I thought, how's there a, how's there a swing set in there? Had monkey bars. Any of you ever built one of these? How many of you ever built one of these? Yes, good. I've got friends. You you know the pain. So it's just in this little box, and it had instructions that looked like a twister map, you know, that you roll out. And uh, it had uh, monkey bars, and it had a net thing you climb, and it had swings and all this stuff. And then I had to go to Lowe's. It had a supply list, so I had to go through Lowe's and and hunt down all this stuff. Well, I got the thing home, and uh, I'm in the backyard. It's just a week before Christmas. And I'm back there. I start first thing when I wake up in the morning. I worked. I, they told me how many hours it's supposed to take. It means nothing. I was out there laying on the concrete, drilling stuff, nailing stuff. You know, I, going back and getting supplies I didn't have because I don't know what I'm doing. And, and I'm out there. I think it was 18 hours I spent the first day. The first day. The key number in that sentence is not 18. It's the first day. And so I'm building this ridiculous thing. I get the thing all out there. I get it set up. And I get these monkey bars built that you got to drill holes and put giant dowel rods in. And it's a, a split like that. And I throw that thing up over my neck like an ox. Pulling, pulling you know, in the, in the uh, field. And I'm dragging that thing. This is the only way I can get it out there. Kids are in bed. i got a floodlight out there. It's night. It's cold. I'm dragging that thing out toward the swing set. And I hook that thing up on there. And it would not cooperate with the swing set. Would not go on it no matter what I did. Nothing would make it work. And I knew it was me. I knew I was the problem because I don't know what I'm doing. And I thought, did I flip it? Do I do it upside down? Have I nailed it wrong? I went over it and over it and over it and over it and over it. And then finally said, you know what? I'm done. So I called the company and I said, hey, look, I built the swing set. I think I did it right. I'm sure I've done something wrong. Can you help me? When I finally got through all of their rigor and row, here's what the lady told me. Oh, I'm so sorry. 
There are 16 possible configurations for that swing set system and the one you got is the one that the instructions are wrong and the monkey bars won't fit. Now I'm a pretty patient guy. But I feel like you ought to run something off on a piece of paper with a stop sign that says stop. Don't drive yourself insane. Go get different instructions. So they sent me other instructions. They sent me money to reimburse me for the lumber. And I had to go do all the thing again. And then when I finally got it up, I realized because it was kicked up like this, I had to sink the post in the ground 18 inches. So I'd already put the swing set there. I had driven spikes about that long screws in the ground and anchored it in the ground so it would be hurricane proof. And I'm going to put the monkey bars up and sink the post in the ground. And I get one hole dug and I go to dig the other hole and there's something there. And I'm digging and digging and digging and digging and the shovel's not working. So I go get an axe and I start chopping. There's a petrified tree stump underneath that monkey bar post. Oh. So I had to unscrew the whole thing and I had to move the whole set over two feet. And then drop it in the ground. And when we left Mississippi, my kids said, because they loved it, hey, are we taking the swing set with us? And I said, no. Beelzebub is staying here. I've cast them out to utter darkness and he's not going with us anywhere. And you don't know how many people when they heard that story said, man, I wish you'd have called me. I got a this, I got a that, I got this tool, I got that. I, I, I know all about that, man. I've, I've built 20 of those. I'd have been glad to come over and help you if you'd have just told me. And that reminds me so much of how we are sometimes when we're struggling through something and we just won't tell anybody. There's probably more help closer to you than you think. But we just won't reach out and tell anybody. All I had to do is pick up the phone to one of five or ten people and they'd have come over that day and helped. But I, but I didn't do it. To be an overcomer, you'll most likely have to overcome distraction, discouragement, and maybe even depression. Now, I, I'm sharing this message with you today because I, I, it's going to be for you if you're going through a tough time. But it's also going to be for you to help you understand how to relate to someone who's going through a tough time or how to minister to someone who's going through a tough time. So if you got something to write with, I only have one point today, and here it is. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Now, James chapter 5, the chapter I asked you to turn to, let me give you a little background. James is probably the oldest book in the New Testament. A lot of theologians think that it is. Uh, and, and James is the brother of Jesus. Now, to me, that's proof that Jesus is real. Because James, the brother of Jesus, actually believed that Jesus was the Messiah. I think that proves Jesus is real. How many of you have a brother? What would it take for him to convince you he was the Messiah? I would say you'd have to start with a death and resurrection. And then we might talk about it. Right? So, James, the brother of Jesus, who saw his brother resurrected, 
writes in James chapter 5, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, we usually limit this verse to physical sickness, and there's a huge emphasis, rightly so, in this verse on physical sickness, but I believe it can be directly and indirectly applied to all forms of sickness. Uh, If you look at this Greek language that's used other places in the New Testament, it applies to a wide variety, spiritual weakness, it applies to... uh, 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 other forms of weakness and incompleteness, internal and external. So this morning what I want to do is I want to give you a simple list. This isn't scientific, it's not medical, uh, it, it's, it's what, what I think uh, the progression is, how I think it works, but that's it. There's no, there's no where you can go do research on this because uh, it's just made up, alright? But here's the list. I think what happens is you have worry. And if worry goes unchecked, undealt with, see, worry's the sin that Christians believe is okay, that it's okay to do. It's unharmful. It doesn't harm anything. But if worry goes undealt with, it turns into discouragement. And discouragement undealt with turns into anxiety. And anxiety undealt with turns into depression. And depression undealt with can turn into suicidal thoughts. And so what I just want to say is, you look at this list this morning, if you find yourself on this chart, this is sick. Now, I don't say that as a point of condemnation. I say that as a point to start a conversation. This is, this is sickness. My grandfather uh, dealt with manic depression. He, he had severe chemical imbalance and problems. And man, he would be in the dumps he would swing and be in the low of lows and the dumps and had a lot of problems. And then he would swing up and he would be on a high and he would go and start. He, started, he was an entrepreneur. He started new companies. He'd start a new company and then he would overcommit and he would overbuy and he would go, go, go. And it just created havoc on my, on my mom's family as she grew up. My mom grew up in that environment and, and had some struggle with it herself. Now, when the pressure on our family when I was a little boy increased and got so bad, when it became unbearable, my mom walked into a Kmart, she swallowed an entire bottle of pills, and she passed out. And I can still remember the pain on my dad's face when he got the phone call and he hung it up, and, and I knew something was wrong. And I said, what's wrong? And, and, he, and he said... Uh, I've got to go check on your mom. I said, why? He said, because she tried to do away with herself. Well, I didn't know, I didn't even know, what do you, I never even had understood the idea. What do you mean, do away with herself? I, I didn't understand what that meant. Someone had found her passed out in Kmart in one of the aisles, and they took her by ambulance to the hospital, and they pumped her stomach and saved her life. Now, I just want to say do you have any idea what an unbelievable blessing that my mom has been in my life? She has been an absolute joy. She's been a, a bright spot for me. She's been a constant source of encouragement. She's been a friend. She's loved me unconditionally. I can't imagine what my life would have been like without her. It would have been a gigantic, massive void. But look, the last place our family would have ever turned for help in a time like that would have been the church. Because discouragement and depression and mental illness weren't things that really good Christians dealt with. 
Like if you were a good Christian, if you trusted God, if you believed God, if you believed the Bible, if you were faithful, if you did your part, you didn't really ever deal with that. If you really had faith, you wouldn't experience any of that. The last place we would have turned was the church. Well, let me give you the statistics. 16% of all Christians have contemplated suicide at some point in their life. 16%. Now, I believe with all my heart that this list that we're looking at is a sickness and it's not where God wants you to be. So, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. James 5.14, is any among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Let me way oversimplify the scripture. Is any among you sick? Tell somebody. Reach out. (laughs) Reach out to someone that you trust or that you know has a relationship with God that can support you in some way. See, I thought when I was going to, I was called to be a pastor. I thought, well, I'm going to be a pastor, man. That's awesome. I'm going to be working with the saints of God. People who are so close to God, they don't have any problems. That's like saying, man, I'm tired of people telling me what to do. I'm going to get out of high school and join the Marines. Be on my own. Be my own man. Man, I I had no idea. Church people are jacked up and need help. And if you don't believe that, you hadn't spent enough time in church. I people here all the time say, oh, you know, I'm out here in the real world. Come spend a week with us. Let me tell you, it's the real world. Because when you go out in the real world and whatever you break, you come here to fix it. That's what we deal with. And I'll tell you this, they crucify Jesus and they'll crucify you. Church in America, if we can just be honest this morning, church in America is all too often pretty people, perfect people with zero problems who show up for an hour on Sunday, put their church fake face on, and go home. And you know what I noticed? When people really start dealing with problems, they tend to distance themselves from the church. Now, there's a lot of reasons it could be. It could be because... That's the source. It could be because they're living in sin and that's the source of conviction. They want to push away anything that would make them feel bad about the thing they know they're doing wrong. It also could be that if I, if I have this big of a problem and I bring it with me to church, everybody's going to know and then they're going to know I'm not perfect and I've got to put on the face like I can handle it all. And so I'll just distance myself because I don't want anybody to know how bad it is. It also could be, though, because sometimes... They don't come anymore because they know they're not accepted anymore. You go deal with that problem and when you get done, you come back. But that creates a fake plastic community. I want to be a church where people can bring their problems with them. I want to be a church where it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Now look, Kingwood Church by a long shot is not a perfect church, but I'll tell you what Kingwood Church has been for a long time is a safe place. We've had people from all walks of life. It'd shock you. It would shock you. People all walks of life. At one, at one season in our church a few years ago, we had five pastor's wives who had all been uh, cheated on, divorced, ne- abandoned, something. Five. Most of them didn't even know each other. And they sat here and they healed and they recovered and they were accepted. You don't know the number of pastors that we've had who've come to this church. One, one, one Sunday, 
He had an affair. I had lunch with him one time. He had an affair. I turned around after praying with somebody. He was standing right there in front of me. And he said, I blew it and I didn't know where else to turn so I came here. And I hugged him. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about all this. Sorry. I had lunch with him one time and I thought, I'm the closest thing you got. I had lunch with you one time. Tells you how isolated and how lonely. We've had pastors and pastor's wives and pregnant teenagers and people with sexual identity struggles and marriage problems and addiction and depression and sicknesses of all kinds. I'm grateful for that. James chapter 5, is any among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Anoint with oil. When someone was anointed in the Bible, it meant they were set apart for a special purpose. So we understand this verse to mean that when, when you're sick and you're anointed with oil and prayed for, you are set apart for special prayer. Now we've got a whole teaching on that we did last summer. If you, if you want to find it, you can go on our podcast, go to the All In series, a study on the book of James. We focus specifically on this. But I did find a different interpretation when I studied this verse. And uh, some theologians believe this verse means anoint with oil. That phrase means take your medicine. Because olive oil had medicinal uses. And so some people translate it that way. As I studied it in, in a deeper way, I, I think it's a stretch. I think it's stretching the passage too far. I think it's stretching it beyond its natural context. And I don't, I, don't, I don't interpret it that way and I don't see it that way. However, it does bring up a very important issue. Is it okay for Christians to take medicine when they're sick? What about pain medicine? What about blood pressure medicine? What about antidepressants? Do you know that some churches teach that uh, antidepressants... Is a, when you take an antidepressant, you're not trusting God. You don't have any faith. Now, let me, let me tell you all the things I'm not saying because I can hear the bells going off. Let me give you a list of all the things I didn't just say. Because somebody will leave here and said you said that. And I'm going to tell you all the things I didn't just say. Number one, I'm not saying medicine is the answer for everything. Number two, I'm not saying that there's a pill for everything. There's not a pill for everything. And America is probably the most over-medicated nation on earth. So I believe all that. Number four, three, I'm not saying medicine is a replacement for prayer, faith, and healing. It's a terrible replacement. Number four, I'm not saying medicine is perfect. Oftentimes, the side effects you have with medicine are worse than the problem you had before. I'm not saying any of that. Here's what I am saying. Medicine might be part of your healing or managing the quality of your life, and if you need it, you should take it. Why would I say that? Years ago, when our youngest son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which means your body produces no insulin, so you have to inject all the insulin that person gets, or they die. That's, that's it. And uh, my five-year-old hid from me under the dining room table because he was tired of taking shots. Now, I'm just going to tell you, when you get to that day, you're today a pain. You are hurting for your child, and you can't do anything about it. And there he is hiding under the dining room table, and I wanted him to be healed so bad. And I believed that God was going to heal him, and I still believe that God is going to heal him, but God has not healed him yet. And, and, it, and, and, and I thought that there was this one night that God was going to heal him, so I took him off insulin. 
And I checked his sugar every 30 minutes. And as it went up to 100, it's supposed to be about 80 to 120. As it went to 200 and 300 and 400 and 5, I said, oh, God, please heal him. Please. God, please. Please honor your word. Please honor what you put in my heart. Please heal him. And, and about 3 o'clock in the morning, I started giving him insulin again because he was going to get sick. Now, here's the thing you need to know. If your pancreas can break in such a way that you got to take insulin, your brain can break in such a way that you got to take an antidepressant. I don't expect any amens on it. But I'm telling you, every part of your body can break. And if medicine helps, I take it. I would never trust it over God. <laughs> but depression feels like defeat and it feels like anti-faith. And if you're here this morning and you've ever taken antidepressants, you are now, and you've always felt like less of a Christian, I want to try to lift the veil of shame off of you. And say, if this is something that you've had to do, be free today and believe God today and take your medicine and pray. James 5.15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. I want to focus on that phrase for a minute, if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Let me tell you one of the greatest revelations you can receive when you're discouraged and distracted and depressed. God reveals to you your own deeper sinfulness. When you are down, when you are broken, what you will find out is you are more broken than you thought. And you will find out that you need God more than you thought you did. And that's what God reveals in one of those deep times. In light of His holiness and wholeness, you begin to see your brokenness and incompleteness and sinfulness. It's a revelation. So I just want to say it to you this way. Holiness without wholeness is legalism. Now we've been there. Right? We, uh, some of you have had that. I grew up in that church tradition. Holiness. And it was all external. Holiness without wholeness is legalism. But wholeness, which is what you see outside the church today in the self-help community and the, all, of, all the conversation going out there in the new age and all this stuff, it is wholeness without holiness, which is atheism. Now that's a whole different thing. But sometimes worry and discouragement and anxiety and depression and, and suicidal thoughts come into your life and sometimes they're the result of the sins that you did sometimes they're a result of the sins that were done to you I was very fascinated by the story of Ted Haggard if you haven't heard his name he was a pastor in uh, Colorado large met one of the most influential churches in America He's the president of the National Association of Evangelicals and Ted Haggard ended up taking drugs and having a terrible sexual uh, affair Homosexual affair, crazy stuff. And here's what happened. I saw him interviewed a year later, and I was so interested in the interview because of something he said that was so sad and revealing to me. He said, when I was in second grade, a guy that worked for my dad's company molested me. And I never got over it, and I never connected it to the problems I have today. Until this happened. And so I thought, President, uh, pastor of one of the most influential churches in our country, president of National Council uh, Association of Evangelicals, and you never connected what you're experiencing today 
with what happened to you as a second grader. Now I'm just saying it took discouragement and some depression and all of this junk to come out that he began to realize how broken he really was and what some of the drivers of his deeper problems were and in light of God's holiness he could then be healed and restored. James 5.16 says therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If you don't deal with the inner realities in your life they are toxic and they will make you sick. There has to come a point that you say, I'm not okay, but I don't want to stay that way, and, and I, I want to find help and healing. About a year ago, a lot of the battles that I face were stacking up on me. Our youngest son was diagnosed. We went through Hurricane Katrina. I, it's not over, trust me. Our youngest son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Our oldest son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. My wife was diagnosed with a terrible disease. And about a year ago, it just, it just, it's too much. It just took me over. And so, I, I, I needed, I was at a place I needed to talk to somebody. So I reached out and I found a Christian friend who I could talk to and basically say, I'm not Okay. Like, I'm not okay. I'm hurt. And I'm overwhelmed. And, and my life is falling apart. And I'm not okay. And one day at a really low point, my Christian friend said to me, I was thinking about you yesterday, and God put this scripture on my heart that I wanted to share with you. Now, that won't mean anything to you immediately, but when I was 16 years old, uh, there was a, I was in a powerful prayer meeting, and this uh, precious intercessor leaned over and, and gave me a message from God, which at the time I didn't even know was in the Bible. I just thought, this is what God told her to say to me, and he, she was saying it to me. And, it, and, and at the time, I was going through a great inner conflict on whether God really wanted me to be a pastor or not. And that word came to me at exactly the right time, and it canceled all those confusing thoughts and all that inner conflict and all that doubt and all that fear. And from that moment on, I've known for all these decades that's what God wanted me to do and so those words pierced my heart at that moment and helped me well about a year ago I was standing in my driveway on the phone and my friend who knows nothing of that part of my life read these words my friend said this is the scripture God put on my heart can I just read it to you and she read this, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. My eyes filled with tears, and the landscape around me went to a blur and it rang true in my heart again. God is not done with you yet. It's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. It's not okay to stay that way. 
If you've ever struggled with any of these things in your life, today I want to give you hope. If you've never struggled with any of these things, one of the things that I hope that you can take from this is a better understanding of people who do. So that you won't say crazy things like, just get over it, just just read your Bible more, just pray more, just try harder and it'll all go away. Then you, you won't be tempted, hopefully, to say things like that. If you're going to be an overcomer, you're going to deal with you know, distractions and you're going to deal with discouragement and you might, you might deal with depression. Now, as we go to prayer this morning, I want to I ask everybody if you'll stand with me and I want to ask our prayer team to come. And, and before, you, before you get ready for prayer, I just want you to look at me. I just want you to look at me and I just want you to, to hear this. I wish I had more time to share a few other things with you, but I don't. I did not preach this message. This is probably the hardest message I've ever preached. I did not preach this message so that you would leave today and say, I'm so glad that we go to a church where our pastor's authentic. I preached it because there are people in this room with legitimate struggles. And you're not okay. But you just maybe have never said that out loud. I want you to know today you're in a place that it's okay to say I'm not okay. There's no judgment here. There's no condemnation here. You're in a place that is safe. You're with people that want to believe in you and want to love you and pray for you and to help you. So if you close your eyes with me, I just want to pray for you. And I want to invite you to pray. I want to invite you to respond. God is here. And if you're in this place this morning and you say, you know what? The truth is, I need forgiveness. There's some things in my life that I caused and they're painful and I need forgiveness. And maybe there's some things in your life that you say there's some things some people have done to me and I need to forgive and I need God's help with that today and maybe you're here and you say today there is sickness in my life and I need healing maybe it's in your body maybe it's in your mind maybe it's in your emotions maybe it's in your foot maybe it's in your eye maybe it's a cancer maybe it's a disease it doesn't matter James teaches us the first place to turn is to prayer. So this morning, what I simply want you to do, with every eye closed and every head bowed, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to do any of that, but here's what I want you to do. I just want you to step out right now, and I want you to come and let somebody on the prayer team just pray with you. Just pray with you. I want you to come right now. I want you to move right now. I want you to move right now. Right now. Right now. 
It's okay to not be okay. It's just not all right to stay like that. Right now. Right now. This isn't about who's coming. It's not about any of that. This is a place of healing, strength, ministry, life, joy, and peace. It's okay. It's okay to not be okay. Bring your need. Bring your problem. Bring, bring what's going wrong. Bring where you're hurting. Don't be like me in that swing set and just wait. Look, we got a house full of forgiven people, but maybe you've been forgiven but not healed. Maybe you've been forgiven but not healed. Man, let some healing happen today. Let God touch you today. Let Him help you today. He is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. Let Him help you today. We just want to pray for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in prayer. And then I'm going to ask the worship team to sing through a couple, of, a couple of courses. And when I close in prayer, if you need to go, you can go. If you need to stay for prayer, we'd love to pray for you. Lord, I thank you today that you are gracious and that you are mighty and that you are our help and our answer. I thank you today for the healing and the cleansing and the life that is flowing in our soul today. Thank you for what you're doing. Continue to work with us and heal us and help us. In Jesus' name.